You're listening to the Bryony Kennedy Lifestyle Edit, brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. Hey, I'm Bryony Kennedy and welcome to the Bryony Kennedy Lifestyle Edit, brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I'm joined by my producer, Jacqueline Thatcher, and today we'll be discussing all things sustainability and as busy women, how we can look good, feel good, knowing that we are doing good, even if it is through small acts of kindness to our planet. We have a fun show lined up for you today. So, Jack, let's get started. Thank you, Bryony. I'm so excited to be joining you now on the new Bryony Kennedy Lifestyle Edit um, and looking forward to some great shows ahead. But as we said, we're going to be talking about some sustainability topics today. And I think what a lot of people would be interested um, in knowing, especially the people that have been following you and the Adorn brand for such a long time, is what actually makes a cosmetic range sustainable? Yeah, I think when it comes to um, cosmetic brands in particular, I think it's uh, really about looking at producing things locally. Um, And that's something that not only helps uh, jobs and, and things like that, the local economy, but it also helps reduce the environmental impact because you are not having things shipped or flown. um, So you're saving on fuels. And of course, all of those uh, shipping uh, products that you need to use for safely, to get those products safely delivered to you. So excess boxes, packaging, plastic, bubble wrap, all that kind of thing. So I think if you can produce locally or support brands that produce locally, that's definitely something straight off the bat that's easy to achieve. And then deep, you know, deep dive into what they do at a company level and a product level. And I know, you know, for Adorn, we proudly champion a prevention is better than cure approach. And that is when it comes to our production and the retailing of our products. So for example, for us, we pack our products naked, which means we avoid unnecessary waste and wasted environmental resources just to pack something temporary that you're going to toss within minutes of receiving the product. So, you know, for us, packaging out of boxes and plastic just to seal a product that you're tossing away just breaks my heart. I can't handle even thinking of doing something like that. It's just you get, if you if you buy a mascara from us, that's what you get. There's no outside box. And so to date, we've saved over 2 million boxes and plastic by giving our products naked. That's, that's such a huge saving in terms of resources um, and environmental impact. And really, I mean, it is only such a temporary thing when you get a brand new product either sent home or home from the shops and then you've got to kind of yeah, rip open all this, uh, the box and then the inside filling that kind of is holding the pot in place and what, and it's, so it just takes longer A for you to get to your product, uh, but B, it just, it, it just goes straight to the bin. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I can't even handle, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I don't even like going to the deli and getting things and then, you know, it's put in a container and then a plastic bag and then, you know, um, brown, it's, it's just so much excess, you know, and I guess for us, it has meant as a brand that we've had to sacrifice to some degree because we've decided not to sell into retail, physical retail outlets because we don't have the outer boxes and the outer plastics. So, you know, it has meant that as a brand, you know, maybe we've taken a little bit longer to be known out in the public because of our strategy around selling online. And that's been something that, you know, I've been really adamant about because I just don't want to produce excess. Again, it comes back to that prevention is better than cure approach. We want to do 
you know, the maximum with the minimum amount of product. And that's something that, you know, as a brand, we're super proud of. And so what types of elements when you're producing um, products, um, whether it be designing the, you know, the, the pots or the tubes that things are good, what sort of things do you have control over within certain products that can make them sustainable? What, there's obviously certain parts and mechanisms that can't be, mm. but what are the types of elements um, with the products that you do have control over making sustainable? Yeah, so some plastics are more um, recyclable than others and some are not at all. Um, so you could definitely take control of the plastics that you use. And so for us, what we do is have um, our products or our packaging rather made from uh I suppose, a resource that's biodegradable. So whether that's a paper resource or a a plastic resource, but one that is nonetheless biodegradable. And that just simply means that in the event that it does end up in landfill, it is actually designed so that it breaks down with all of the gases and all of the nasty stuff that goes on in there. And it's designed to break down in, you know, uh, a small fraction of the time it would if it wasn't. So I think definitely taking control of that. Um, And for me, looking at products that you could refill. Okay. So if you've got the packaging sorted and you've got the best plastic you can, or maybe it's biodegradable or even a paper. Okay. Can we now also use those pots over and over again, or that packaging over and over again, so that we're not again, having to produce new things. So it all good and well that it's biodegradable, but we still used resources to make that packaging from the get go. So can we use that again? And if so, how are we going to introduce that as a program? So for us, we have a zero waste refill program at Adorn and over 130,000 pots have been reused and saved from landfill. So we're super proud of that. Um, But again, it's not just about the landfill. It's again, avoiding the environmental resources to make those new pots and even to recycle them. Some people get caught up on, you know, we can recycle this and that's great, but there's still resources that you need to use to do that. So um, I think using a refill program is excellent, using biodegradable resources and for the things that you literally can't do that with, then yes, as a last resort for me, looking at recycling and, you know, we introduced a recycling program whereby we collect our post-consumer waste. And so far we've had over 2,000 units sent back to us. I was kind of wondering how popular that would be. And um, it's not been something we've had for long, but we've had quite a lot sent back. And we then forward that to TerraCycle who turn that into things like outdoor furniture, which is really a feel-good thing when you know um, that it's got a, a longer life. Uh, yes, past the use, past the initial use. So, what's the what's the most common product that gets sent back to go into that recycling program? What what have you found as the thing that people are more likely to send back to you? Yeah, it it definitely be things like the mascara tubes. Um, we've also got a wind up eyeliner. So, things that are lip and eye products that we don't encourage to refill simply because um, obviously from from a hygiene perspective. Um, and I know there's some brands on the market that have refillable lipsticks, but if you actually take a closer look at how that's sent or packaged, um, there's a whole lot more packaging needed to protect that insert. So essentially what it usually will be is the outside of the lipstick tube is refillable and then they send you an internal bullet. Um, 
But to protect that internal bullet, it usually leads, needs a lot more packaging to protect it. It arrives, um, in a, it arrives in a chub security van with two blokes and... <laughs> correct. It's like it's, it's, you've, you've needed more to protect that refill than if the person just bought the bloody lipstick from the beginning. So, you know, that was something I looked at many years ago um, and, you know, packaging, there's a lot of packaging expos, which sadly I get a bit excited about going to. And, and there was, you know, a big emphasis on that. But I had a closer look at it and I thought that's just not really actually any better than providing a whole new lipstick, to be honest. No, you're not gaining anything, are you? It's just a, it's just a tricky thing to be able to say for the sake of it, but, the, but there's no real kind of, I suppose, foundation behind that if you're yeah, part of Yeah, part of... well, that's exactly right. And so for me, you know, if it's, if it's not something that can be simple and it's genuinely not reducing, then, you know, it's not actually sustainable. So, you know, for me, I think also at a brand level, you know, it's not going to be something you could do if you're um, in the rag trade or you're selling um, clothing. But I think if you're in the beauty industry, I think product sampling also helps avoid landfill because we know too well as being, you know, females, we've bought lots of things and, um, you know, probably half of that has not always been suitable. And, you know, whether it's because it's reactions, wrong colours or whatever it might be. So product sampling really helps avoid landfill and incorrect product choice. So that's something that we're super proud about and something that we launched, you know, I think it would have been about year three of the brand's um, inception. Yeah, that's amazing. And, well, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, people are going to be so much more engaged with the product if they know they can sample it and get the right result. Um that they're going to be able to be, you know, using for years. I mean, I've always known what my shade of foundation has been and which bronzer I use and which blush I use um, and I haven't had the need to go with anything else because I had it done correctly from the get-go. That's um, exactly and right. And it's given me the results that I've always wanted um, and so there's no need to kind of, you know, try other things um, and it's been, you know, I mean, I've been using it now for well, pretty much since the beginning for 14 years, B, as mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, whereas before with other sort of commercial brands, especially as your skin ages and you get older, oh, you'll find choice. that, that yeah, the choice, um, you'll find that obviously the reaction that you might have had or I would have had with previous commercial brands, you know, as my skin got older or became more sensitive or what have you, I would have issues. But in the 14 years since, you know, before I turned 40 to now I'm in my sadly early 50s, I've had oh, it's no... it's not sadly love, you made it. <laughs> exactly. You made it. I did, right? I make it. it. It's a daily struggle, but I'm, I'm still ploughing through. But <laughs> the one thing I can rely on, I can't rely on much else, but one thing I can rely on is the fact that I know I'm never going to have, I don't, certainly so far, have never had a reaction or adverse effect to using the products. Yeah, and I think I think that's... A good point, Jack, too, because, you know, obviously being people forget their skin, you know, it is an organ, it's it's forever changing, um, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, and of course, depending on your age. And so, you know, it is important that you can um, try new things based on that. Um, and I know even me, myself now, like I, I do have quite a few different things based on how my skin feels that day. So if I do feel a bit dehydrated, I might have something else um, versus, you know, the days I might be a little bit oilier. So I think samples are paramount for that reason. And I, and I do think that if a brand offers them, then, you know, I think there's almost confidence in the quality if they're even giving you that. And 
let's face it, some beauty products are definitely not cheap. Um, and so you also, from your own hip pocket point of view, don't want to be wasting money on things that you're not going to use. But me as the founder of Adorn and someone who, you know, my most passionate thing is sustainability and minimizing waste. Like I, I remember mum telling me off when recycling became a thing when I was in primary school and I would go through the bin and pull out all the bits and she would just be mortified and I'd be <laughs> separating all the rubbish. So I've always been really passionate about that. And so, you know, for me, I think if you can do anything that's going to minimize your impact while still having a profitable business and giving people a product that they love, then, you know, that to me is something you can go to bed or hold your head high and know that you're doing the best that you can. Yeah. And obviously being a brand that is has that embedded from the get-go, it's a lot easier for you to, you know, create new products or to look at new product options or new product lines, knowing that you have to build in the sustainability aspect from it as well. So rather than already having had you know, cosmetic line say up and running for the last 15, 20 years, and then you decide to try and become sustainable. How much of a job would that be to then have to go back over all of your products and all of your packaging, trying to then re-engineer how that's going to be delivered to the client, how it's going to be produced, where Mm. where the back end of that waste is going to happen. Um, The fact that you do take it from you know, start to finish with the ideas, the production, um, the distribution, and then, you know, it's sad demise at the end when it has to, you know, um, when it, when it's finished, um, you know, that must be now so much more of an automatic thought process that you do rather than having to really sit down and think a lot. You probably have so much already that you just do automatically as a result of that being such an embedded part of the brand's ethos. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's always ways that we can be doing things better. Like we became paperless a couple of years ago as well with, you know, our orders and customer orders. So there's, you know, there's always little things you can do. Um, And even, you know, so far as, you know, initially when we, I suppose, launched, you know, our products were quite big or the contents of them. And so what we were finding is that the products were outlasting the use-by dates. And so, again, that then comes down to waste. So it's about providing no more or no less than what's needed and so that customers can regularly get products that are fresh. And so I think, um, you know, it would be a monumental task for some brands to just, you know, turn on their tails and, and look completely sustainable across the whole, um, you know, product as well as at a brand level and an office level even. But I think, you know, it's possible, but I could imagine for brands that have produced, you know, millions of units of something that that would be very difficult because you don't want to throw that away. um, But at the same time, you're trying to reinvent yourself as a sustainable brand. But, you know, at what cost have you reinvented yourself? You know, how much of things have you thrown away to then be perceived as an, you know, a sustainable brand? So, you know, I, I kind of struggle with that too, because I feel like things are best off being used. Um, but yeah, you have to start somewhere. And of course, it's, it's very easy for us because that's just the way we started. And in some ways, or not some ways, in a lot of ways, it was probably why it took the brand a little while to get where it is today, because, you know, a lot of these initiatives were quite new to people and, and you know, consumers or customers just didn't understand some of the philosophies behind the brand, um, especially from a sustainability point of view. But now it's an expectation. And so, you know, there are a lot of brands that are struggling um, and, and scrambling to get themselves back on track with what the expectations are now. So, you know, I think if um, 
you know, you're dealing with a brand like Adorn where they pride themselves in small batch production and they, they're producing locally, it's always going to be a lot easier for them because, of course, you know, they're not sort of having to book things in overseas and then they've got to deal with shipping times and they've probably got a much higher minimum order spend. So there's, there's all of that as well. And I think that supporting a local brand, you know, there's not always those inhibitors that, you know, some of these massive brands may have. I think a lot of people too are very, um, you know, they, they do get led down the wrong path with companies that try and kind of, they might not say they're sustainable, but they kind of, I think, try to give off that implication that they are. And mm. so I think things like when people see like a pot that's got like a wooden lid, I oh, think, yes. yep. you know what I mean? Like you might mm. you might be in a, you know, I don't know, an organic, you know, food shop or something like that and they might stock a range of cosmetics or skincare in there. And I think any time you see a pot or, a, you know, um, a stick or a, a, a compact that's got like a, a wood aspect to it or a grainy aspect to it or something, mm. it gives off it gives the perception I think that most people have in their mind is that, oh, this must be an eco-friendly range because it's yep. got wood on it rather than like a gold plastic or a Correct. black plastic. And I think that's a problem that's just a lot of companies, they try and get around, I think, that that whole commitment to sustainability by them producing their packaging to look a bit more like that. Yeah, um, yep. And then and people it, go, oh, this, this looks like it's eco-friendly. Exactly, yeah, the perception of nature being incorporated into that product. And, I mean, I think people forget, though, um, and unless you're vested like I am and passionate about plastic and things like that, you, you may not realise. But, I mean, the whole reason plastic was invented was to help um, minimise the deforestation and, and cutting down of trees. Um, so, you know, if you think about back when we had, uh, you know, paper bags, if anyone's old enough to remember that for the shopping, um, and, and things like that were, you know, obviously causing quite an impact on the environment and recycling wasn't such a big thing back then. And so that's why plastic was invented because it was perceived that, you know, you, you could use it multiple times, especially plastic bags. Um, unfortunately, though, humans are a little lazy and that doesn't, it doesn't happen. And, um, you know, we're very much a throwaway uh, society and, you know, we, we tend to work on um, impulse and we want things yesterday and we want things produced really quickly. So, you know, plastic has just become a monumental issue. But, you know, used correctly, we wouldn't be in this situation. And I guess for me personally, I'm always struggling a little bit with some things that have gone plastic free, but then I'm like, oh, but what did you use instead? Like, were you cutting down trees to get this or has it come from a recycled source? So getting back to what you're mentioning about, you know, the, the wood element of the packaging, I think it's not good enough just to look at something at a at a product level or a packaging level. It's to look at, you know, what, what it is that they do as a company as a whole. Um, and not each thing in an isolated event. Although in saying that, I think it's about being kind too because there are a lot of brands out there that, you know, were, were unaware of things and, and they've become more educated and now are trying to do the right thing. So I don't think it's about getting our, you know, our bloody signs and placards and beating down everyone's door to do the right thing. I think it's just supporting the brands to do the best that they can with what they can. And every little thing that we do collectively makes a massive difference. Mm. And, that, and I think you just said the word education just then too. And I think that's the key thing. I think it's all very well to 
um, try and introduce initiatives and those sorts of things. But unless you have the education that goes along with it at the same time, it's very difficult to get people to adopt that. So just as you were talking about the plastic bags before, you know, back in the late 70s when they started introducing plastic bags at the supermarket, you know, there should have been that education around, okay, we've now got plastic bags, but what do you do with them? And they didn't they didn't do that. And so, therefore, it was all used in the wrong way. Um, mm. So, I think what you've done is as much as you've, you know, also given education around how to use your products very effectively, probably better than most um, in the tutorials that you produce and, um, you know, all of the little how-to um, sort of, you know, videos and emails and, you know, And can posts. I say I apologise to anyone that's having PTSD because they're not seeing me enough and for those that are having it because they're seeing me too much. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, people can opt in or opt out as much as they want to. True. That's their choice. But <laughs> Now you can hear me on the podcast too. God help us. Correct. All the senses are ticked off. But um, I think the other thing you have done, you know, effectively is the education aspect around the sustainable aspects of the um, products at the same time as this is why they're better for you as a human being, just yourself. This is why it's good for you in how you might look and feel. Um, But then this is also why it's good for the planet. So you've always kind of ticked off those education points along the way, I think, you know, probably yeah. the bit, one of the best in, in the market. But it's, you know, you. because, yeah, I mean, you, I think it, it's true. I mean, a lot of people just don't have time to educate themselves unless they're passionate about those types of products. I mean, most people are just way too busy to really try and, you know, educate themselves around those sorts of things, you know. Absolutely. I think we're just lucky where something looks good and, and does what it's supposed to do, let alone any of the other things. So you are helping people in that way. Yeah, and, and, and thank you for that. I mean, I, I think that it's about not becoming too obsessed either. Like I know I've had conversations with some um, adorners where they get so overwhelmed with just life in general and then they feel this, you know, huge expectation around being perfect. But, you know, we can all be perfectly imperfect around what we're doing. And so it's not about making yourself sick with worry that every little thing you do has to be the right thing all the time. Um, you know, I don't think that's helpful. I mean, you, you still have to live your life and, and be happy and you've probably got family or friends or things that you want to do. So, you know, I think it's just about being conscious of the decisions you're making, but not overwhelming yourself with them. Um, and, you know, looking at, again, the small things that you can do. And, you know, not everybody can maybe afford organic food or, you know, maybe not everyone can go to the local um you know, it could be the local, I don't know what I would call it, like a silo where you can, you know, refill your beans and legumes and your flour. And, you know, you, not everybody can do that. And I, I get that. It, it could be more expensive for people. Um, you know, some people don't drive, they need it delivered. So whatever the reason is, just do what you can with the areas that you can, you know, compost maybe. Um, you know, if you can refill your makeup, do that. But don't feel guilty about the things you're not doing because that's not helpful to anybody. And, um, you know, as a mental health advocate as well, I'm really passionate about making sure that everybody's, you know, fairly level-headed about how they're approaching things. Um, You don't want to be sending yourself around the twist in the process. 
No one wants to go to the grave saying, well, I've been extremely sustainable but very miserable my whole life. Like it's, <laughs> I've had no social life. I've been way too busy yeah. out the back with my compost bin. <laughs> yeah, like give yourself a break. I think that's, you know, how I look at it. And, you know, support local. I think what I'll do is recap what I think is important about a brand um, and then maybe people could have that sort of as a, as a tick off for them when they're looking at things um, and just a rehash of what we've discussed. And for me, again, it's about supporting brands that, you know, look at, their packaging being biodegradable. So if it's clothes, look at those bags that they're providing them to you in. Um, Has it come from a biodegradable source, recyclable source? Is it biodegradable once you've got it? Um, And that can be all kinds of packaging, how it gets to you in their mailer, the way they send it to you. The mailer can be biodegradable these days. How they gift wrap it can be. Um, Are they giving you unnecessary excess packaging? Let them know. You don't want all of that. Maybe they're not aware and that's something that they want to know. I mean, not only does it make it more sustainable for for them, but also it becomes a cost saving for brands as well. So why wouldn't they want to do it? Um, look for brands that do support refills where possible. Um, you know, look for people who do look at um, their post-consumer waste, like how do they contribute and help uh, save that after the customers have used it? Um, you know, people who are making things locally, small batch production, and of course, that whole sampling aspect of it as well, I think is a really good tip around avoiding waste right from the beginning. So on that note, I wanted to thank you for joining all of those listeners out there. Thank you for joining myself and Jack on the Briny Kennedy Lifestyle Edit brought to you by Dawn Cosmetics, of course. I hope you enjoyed this particular episode. And if you'd like to hear more like this, you can explore the podcast and upcoming episodes discussing topics around women's health, fitness, lifestyle, and of course, beauty by following me on Instagram and Facebook at Bryony A. Kennedy. There we go. Um, And Instagram at Bryony A for Apple Kennedy and on LinkedIn, which is just at Bryony Kennedy. Thanks, Jack. Thank you so much, Bryony. It's been great fun and we look forward to bringing you our next episode really soon. Yay! You've been listening to the Bryony Kennedy Lifestyle Edit, brought to you by Dawn Cosmetics. Luxury without the guilt.